Debbie Montgomery Johnson, founder of the nonprofit, The Woman Behind the Smile, and your host of Stand Up and Speak Up, a show that is about each and every one of us. Many of us have something, something we're hiding, something we're ashamed of, something that through no fault of our own or through our own making, we keep hidden, and that in turn keeps us hidden from each other and the world. Good people go through terrible situations. Wise people know when and how to let it go. Everything that happens to us helps us grow, and while it may be hard to see it right away, the most important thing to do is to change your perception about your circumstances. Regardless of what your personal experiences or traumas have been, this showcase series is designed to ignite the light in you, as well as providing safe harbor, education, personal growth, and resources so that no matter where you are in your journey, you will have the courage to move on when you're ready. Stand Up and Speak Up features ordinary people who've been through extraordinary situations and struggles and found the courage to step out from behind their smiles and speak up about their experiences and the lessons gleaned from those experiences. Everybody heals at a different pace, and we recognize that. So come on in, have a listen, and enjoy the ride at your own speed. Good morning, everybody. It's a beautiful day in paradise, and I'm coming to you from the dark side of Hawaii. Actually, it's three o'clock in the morning, Hawaii time. And we have a guest host of Stand Up and Speak Up today. Dr. Tim McGinnis will be standing in for me. And I really appreciate Tim coming on. We have a great show for you. So hang in there. Here we go. Um, Debbie, thank you for introducing me. And I appreciate the opportunity to stand in as your guest host for today. I know that you're on the call with us from Hawaii. So, aloha. Aloha from, I was going to say sunny Hawaii, but it's only 3 o'clock in the morning, so the sun is about to come out. (laughs) A wonderful place. So, um, in the event that we lose you or we lose me, then then feel free to to step in. I'm Dr. Tim McGinnis. I'm the Managing Director of the Society of Citizens Against Relationship Scams, a government-registered, award-winning, Crime Victims Assistance and Crime Prevention Organization, nonprofit based in Miami, Florida. Uh, SCARS has been in business since the beginning of 2015. I personally have 30 years experience dealing with and educating consumers about the perils of online crime. One of the things that we wanted to talk about with, with everyone was the notion of recovery after the scam. The victim discovers that it's a scam, and obviously it's a traumatizing experience to realize that you've been in a relationship with someone who doesn't even exist. Uh, Debbie has gone through that. Marie has gone through it. Many of our guests have gone through it uh, as well, whether they're you know, a soldier in, in, or a member of the military in uniform or whether it's a a civilian man or a woman or whoever it may happen to be. And there's a thousand stories and there's always an emergency. There's always a sense of urgency. And these relationships develop and they develop over a very predictable story arc. It begins with an initial connection, a hello, a conversation, then the grooming begins. And that grooming can take a variety of forms, but it follows a fairly predictable path. Ultimately, getting the person to project their own desires, wants, needs, uh, motivations onto the face that they're talking to. Scammers are quite expert in this grooming process. 
We talk about this a lot in articles on our romanscamsnow.com website. Uh, they can be found in our, our article catalog under uh, the psychology of scams. Then once they reach a certain point, the heavy manipulation will begin because that's the point at which the emergency is sprung. The scammer is now asking for money. It starts usually very small, maybe $100, maybe to a child or for the purposes of obtaining leave, whatever it may happen to be, and it escalates from there. One of the common characteristics of today's romance scams is the introduction of investments. Investments in a business, investments in some treasure, investments in bitcoins, etc. And this has changed romance scams significantly in a couple of different ways. One of the ways that it's changed is it's increased the average losses per victim from something that was around $4,300 per incident per victim to what is now averaging over $9,000 per incident per victim. And with 2020 and the pandemic, the number of new victims has just skyrocketed. We estimated that in 2019, there were about 700,000 new, new romance scam victims worldwide. In 2020, just in the United States, there were 30 million new socially engineered scam victims nationwide, just in the United States. In the United Kingdom, uh, as we've seen in a recent report from the UK government, um, they did a survey this year uh, in the last few months to try and gauge how many scam victims there were in comparison to their reports. And what they found was their survey, uh, which was a small sample survey, it wasn't every UK citizen, yielded 1.7 million fraud scam victims in the United Kingdom in comparison to about 250 to 300,000 reported scams. So it also confirmed the fact that most victims are not reporting. But one of the things that was said in the report is they actually don't believe the 1.7 million number. They believe the actual number is substantially higher, maybe 10 times, maybe 20 times, maybe 50 times higher. They don't know. But realistically, 11 million new victims in one year is not an unreasonable guesstimation of what it probably is in comparison to 30 million that we're hearing from the United States. Unfortunately, victim totals are very difficult to obtain because we know scams are everywhere. Everybody is susceptible to scams, and we know that the vast majority of victims are not reporting it. We used to believe that 3% of scam victims reported their crimes. Now, based upon the 30 million number, we now see that it's actually below 1% of victims will report these crimes. And we know that based upon the number of reports that have gone into the FTC and the FBI's IC3.gov. But what I wanted to talk about was the process of recovery. Marie, maybe you could jump in here and, and talk about, try to remember, it's, it's been less than a couple of years for you, try to remember what those early days were like when you were trying to find help. 
Where did you go? What did you find? And how did you ultimately end up with SCARS, if I can ask? Okay. Um, when the scam ended, uh, I actually had no idea what to do, where to go, who to turn to, who to talk to. So my biggest thing was I started researching online um, victims of scams, uh, romance scams, anything I could look up to try to get help. Then I stumbled on Debbie's book. And I, I, to this day, if that had not happened, I don't know where I'd be right now. After I read her story, I felt like, okay, there are a lot of other people out there, a lot of victims that I don't know about. So I have to find out who they are and how they can help. At the end of her book, she did have the SCARS agency listed. But she also had her email address, and I wrote to her. And her advice was to write down my story and send it to her. Up until that point, I think I tried to block it out, hoping against hope that it would go away and it would be in the past and I'd get over it. But as I wrote it down, I realized that there was a lot that I needed to research, a lot that I needed help with. So Debbie sent back to me and asked me one important question. How does it feel now that you wrote it down? And that was like a huge relief to put it in words to say this actually happened. I have to admit to myself that this happened. And from there, I got in touch with, with SCARS, read through a lot of the things that I put in that I wanted to join and was accepted. And I have to say, every article, everything I have read has been a huge help. And if it weren't for that, I don't know what would have happened. I, I think I would have been more upset over the money loss than I was about the emotional loss. So I think every step along the way has made me realize that, you know, you can recover from it, you can be a survivor, and it's not going to take up the rest of my life. Exactly. Now, one of the things that you allude to, but you know, we tell everyone who comes to us, is this is not easy. This may be one of the hardest things that you'll ever do in your life. That recovery is a process, not just of letting time go by, but a process of very heavy self-analysis, very heavy self-introspection looking at yourself in the mirror and, and sort of figuring out everything that contributed to why you were scammed, more importantly, why you stayed in the scam. Obviously, it was motivate, I mean, it was manipulation. And, and we make it very clear that the victim is not to blame for this. As, as we've said recently, 
you know, there, there's, you didn't know what you didn't know. But now that you do know what you didn't know, you can learn it and make sure that it never happens again. You're not to be blamed for not knowing what you didn't know. Thank right. God Cheney came out with that phrase that we never will forget. It was a mistake. Now, the reason that we say it is a mistake is actually an important one, and we think it's very important, is that is a mistake is something that you can own, you can recognize that you made a mistake, you can be responsible for it, but you don't have to blame yourself for it because a mistake is, is an opportunity to learn and to grow from that experience and never make the same mistake again. Do you agree with that? I agree with that. I think, though, at first, your first reaction is to blame yourself. And I think if you don't seek out help, either through your organization or a professional uh, counselor, you're going to carry that with you. And I think you need to realize that it is a mistake. That, I mean, for me, I was not on a dating site. It was a game site. So I wasn't even looking for this. I had no idea that this could happen. Hindsight, I wish I had known everything I know now. But it didn't happen that way. I had to go through the process. And it was tough. And I won't sit here and say, I mean, it's been, I think, 15 months since it ended. I can't sit here and say that I didn't have times that I was a basket case, crying, didn't want yep. to see anyone, didn't, want to, didn't know what I was going to do. How could I survive? How could I go on? It took a lot to go through the steps of digging down and saying, okay, it happened. It was a mistake, a big mistake. I did feel guilty, but there's no reason for me to feel guilty now that I understand the psychology of it, how it happened, how it took me exactly. over, what led this that I, I felt like this was something real and I could believe in it until I realized the manipulation that had gone on all those months. And it was, it was hard to go through, but it was worth it. Every step was worth it. I'd go forward a bit and then step back. I'd have backslides. But I didn't give up. I did not want to give up. This scammer, this thing that happened was not going to consume me. It was not going to bring me down. I would not, the scammer and scammers, because I know they work in groups, took enough, and they weren't going to take any more. Exactly. And, and one of the things that you, that you referenced there is something that most victims don't realize, is that during the scam, the manipulation, the setup, not only helps to control the victim during the scam, but it's also designed to help control the victim after the scam. They set you up so that or, or all victims, so that you will feel guilt, you will feel shame, and as a result, tend to either be in denial or in anger, but the net result of that is silence. 
that you don't feel that you can trust anyone and you don't feel or you do feel so much shame and guilt that you're unable to talk about it or even unable to report it to the police. And that happened with you as well, did it not? Yes, it did. Yes. It took a while for me to go to my local police because I live in a small area. Everybody knows everyone. But I finally, after, after going through the steps, I can't say I did it at the beginning. It was after going through all the steps and realizing that I was not to blame for it. I, I opened the door. I let the person in. I poured out my heart. But the manipulation is what kept me going. So once I realized that, I felt comfortable going to the police, saying what happened, and leaving it there. I, I know, I don't know that they could do much, but it, it made me feel like I took some action. I did something. Mm -hmm. You know, talking about that, one of the things that we don't talk enough about is the importance of the reporting to the police. In our three steps for new scam victims, we talk about that is the first step that a victim can take to reassert control in their life. When you go in and report this to the police, not only are you accepting that it, that it happened, that you're the victim of a crime, but you're actually doing something that the scammer doesn't want you to do. That's taking control again. Now, another reason why reporting is important is it notifies government of what's really going on. Here in the United States, government really has no idea how bad this is, I believe. And we know this because we're on a conference call with the Department of Homeland Security every single month. And we interact with a lot of different agencies in their various forms. The cybersecurity community is in total panic right now. But the government of the UK, and, and we just published this on our romancecamsnow.com website, the government of the UK has realized that this is such a catastrophic problem that 50% of all crime in the UK are scams and fraud, that they're now talking about a top-level reorganization of law enforcement associated with scams and fraud in the UK, even to the point that they're talking about shutting down action fraud, which has been a rock star in helping crime victims in the UK who are dealing with scams. They want to actually move it now under the NCA, the National Crime Agency, to truly address these problems. In the United States, I think personally that one of our biggest problems is actually the FBI. And we've discovered recently that the FBI, in fact, it appears, allegedly, ignores victims' rights in the United States. When you make a report to IC3.gov, they do not comply with the FBI's own policies for victims' rights. And we're attempting to gather the identities of victims that we can present to the FBI victim ombudsman and to the FBI inspector general to address this issue. Because they don't tell you after you submit your report, yes, you are the victim of a federal crime. Here are the resources for counseling therapy, 
victims assistance that are available to you. Here are your rights as defined in the U.S. Constitution and U.S. law. They do none of this. When you report to the FBI, it's silence. Now, local law enforcement, different matter. We're working on our Cobalt book that will be a complete guide for local law enforcement on how to interact and help scam victims, and we hope that that will help. But nevertheless, reporting crimes to the police is the first step in government really understanding the scope and magnitude. Um, Marie and, and, and Debbie, please jump in if you're, if you're still with us. Um, what is your perceptions of mistakes victims make either by not asking for help or when they do ask for help, mistakes that they make that get in the way of receiving that help? I think if, if they don't seek help and, and try to bury it inside, at some point that's going to erupt in their life. And, and you just can't carry it with you. You have to find a way to get it out, to accept it, and to move forward, move on, be a survivor. Yeah. And, and you know, you, you bring up, I had, um, I was doing my thing on the Army page, and this older woman, and I found out later, she's here in Pinellas Park, she was going on there, and she was just blasting every, everybody. And she sent me a message, and her and I started talking, and she had a friend last year, woman in her 70s, lost over $50,000 to a scammer and took her own life. Mm. I wish I had known about this person, the, that the scam was going on beforehand so I could, because she's right here, I would have done everything in my power to physically meet with her and talk to her. And, but I didn't find out till after the fact, and her friends were so upset that this woman was just on the army page because the person pretended to be a soldier and was just going on and on about how everything the army's not doing and their soldiers are using this or doing this to people. And that's when I talked to her and said she wasn't talking to a soldier. I can promise you that. And, um, but she ended up taking her own life because she didn't know where to turn to when she was so embarrassed. And it, it just breaks my heart. That's the big problem. And I think in the beginning, that's how every victim feels. They're embarrassed. They're ashamed. They don't want to talk about it. And I want to jump here and hear you guys. This is why it's so important for those of us that have actually come out with a story to be a little more vocal, to educate, and to make people aware. Like I always say, be aware and beware because it's incumbent upon us now to educate others so that someone else doesn't, it doesn't happen to someone else. And when I think that I've said enough and want to get quiet again is when I get the email like I got from Marie that says, I wish I'd heard yeah. your story before because I think if I had heard that, that this happened before I got into online dating, I would have been so much more careful. And we're not getting the word out enough, so it's incumbent upon all of us who recognize we've been scammed to speak up, 
It's not the time to be quiet anymore because someone sitting beside you is being hurt. You think they think they're alone. So I think I think too, in order to speak out, you have to be strong enough to take the criticism because there are going to be people that put you down and say, "How how could you be so stupid? How could you do that?" So you have to be strong enough in your recovery to be able to speak out like this. Exactly. And you have to realize that that person that is shaming you like that, that's not the person you're trying to reach. You're trying to reach the person that's sitting beside them that's quiet, but they're bobbing their head up and down because they understand what you're saying. So when I had that first lady give me that stink eyes, what I called it, I realized that she's not the person I'm needing to talk to. And I do have to be strong and say, okay, yeah, I goofed. I made the mistake. But you know what? I always say my last suit has no pockets. I can't take that money with me. Would I love to have it for my grandchildren? Yes. But I can't change the past. But what I can do is change the present. Be present and be aware and beware that each and every one of us can be scammed at any time in our lives. We are all vulnerable to being scammed. It's important to remember that. And when you are, stand up and speak up and save one other person in the process. Thank you so much for giving us your perception and perspective on the recovery process. Now, next week, my guest will be a very interesting person who is, in fact, a terrorism analyst with uh, one of the Canadian major Canadian think tanks. And we're going to be talking about not only terrorism funding in a broad sense, but also organized crime that terrorism creates, sponsors, manages as a funding mechanism for organizations like Al-Qaeda. Very timely. I hope you'll join us next week. Again, everyone, thank you, thank you very much. Uh, this is Dr. Tim McGinnis. I'm the Managing Director of the Society of Citizens Against Relationship Scam. Remember that we have just published our SCARS Green Book, which is our self-help guide to scam victim recovery. So if you're ashamed or embarrassed to talk to anyone or ask for help, go to our, our SCARS store, which is shop.againstscams.org, and take at our Green Book, our Red Book, and our Blue Book, specifically designed by SCARS for scam victims. All SCARS services are free to all scam victims. However, these are products that we do charge a nominal amount. It's part of the fundraising activity that SCARS engages in, and these are unique and not available anywhere else. Uh, if you want to report a scam, please visit www.anyscam.com. To learn about scams, visit romancescamsnow.com, or to learn about our organization, visit againstscams.org. Uh, thank you, everyone, for participating in our show today, and I will turn this back over to Debbie Montgomery Johnson. Thanks for listening to Stand Up and Speak Up. We are dedicated to encouraging you to remove the mask of embarrassment and to being your best self. This episode has been sponsored by benfocomplete.com a vitamin supplement company that supports happy and healthy hands and feet for those with neuropathy. If you or anyone you know struggles with the pins and needles and numbness in their hands and feet, check out our benfoteaming products at benfocomplete.com. Use the special code STANDUP for a 5% discount on your purchase. Again, thanks for being with us today. Go to my website, thewomanbehindthesmile.com, for additional information and resources. Subscribe to my YouTube channel and enjoy the replays. Again, folks, Thanks very much and have a great day.